0: You're listening to Surviving the Golden Age, the podcast. I am your host, Adam Terciak-Morgan, and on this episode we have a very special guest. We're talking to Scott Lucas of Local H. If you grew up in the 90s like me, you probably remember Local H. Uh, the band first came to prominence in 1996 with their album As Good As Dead, uh, which spawned some modern rock singles like Bound for the Floor, Fritz's Corner, Eddie Vetter." In 1998, they released their most critically acclaimed album, Pack Up the Cats. The album spawned the hit single, All the Kids Are Right. They are currently on tour for the 20th anniversary of Pack Up the Cats. So I talked to Scott Lucas about that album, about the tour, and our mutual love of R.E.M. It was a pretty fun interview, so I think you'll enjoy listening to it. While doing research for this interview, I came across actually two different origin stories about the band name. Okay. One one is that it was that you're named after two REM songs put together, Local Oddfellows One Five One and Swan Swan H. And the other story was about um, like a hospital sign in uh, Illinois that was basically like broken, so it just said Local H. Is either Uh are either one of those accurate or?
1: Which one do you think it is?
0: (sighs) I really thought it was the uh, hospital sign one. No, it's the REM one. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um. What? Like, so I mean, I'm a huge REM fan. So Uh uh, it's funny because, like, I listening to your music, I would never have guessed like such an REM influence. Right. Um. Like, how, how did R.E.M. influence you? Um, uh, we, when we started, we
1: sounded just like R.E.M. Uh, I, you know, I, I, they, I just loved everything about them, you know, just their, their songs and, and the lyrics and, um, uh, everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everything influenced us about R.E.M. Uh, you know, um, I mean, growing up, I listened to lots of metal and classic rock, so finding R.E.M. really kind of changed my head and changed my direction of of uh, what I listened to and, and what I wanted our music to do, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, like, you know, all those classic rock influences are still there. Uh, things like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and, you know, bands like... Maiden, uh, Metallica, but but it, it all started to get filtered through this R.E.M. space that, that I was, once I became a total R.E.M. nut, it all kind of got filtered through that, and um, so when we were looking to name the band, what I figured we should do is, uh, you know, Pink Floyd are named after two different blues artists. Pink Anderson and Floyd Council, mm-hmm. I sort of figured, why don't we do the same thing with R.E.M. songs? And uh, that's how we came up with the name.
0: I know that uh, Michael Stipe has said that uh, Swan Swan H was actually supposed to be like a soft H sound, like the beginning of Hummingbird, like Swan Swan H. Huh? So, <laughs> so, so would you be like local H huh, kind of?
1: We might. <laughs> we're, we're, we're local H in uh, Australia. So... <laughs>
0: um, so I mean, your first big album was "As Good as Dead," and that kind of um, spawned uh, charting singles, and it ultimately went gold. Um, how did that success affect the writing for "Pack Up the Cats"?
1: Um, I you know I I think like we were at this point like where you know um, "As Good as Dead" was it was successful but it wasn't that successful so there was definitely this idea of all right now what are you going to do you know you've got you've got we're listening you know what's going to happen next and and you know there was one idea to just make a a fuck you record uh, and to make it really dark and and just you know not try to write hits or anything and and a friend of mine was kind of like, well, that's stupid. You know, you've got this shot. You should take it. And so I just tried to figure out what kind of record I've always dreamed of making. And, you know, this big concept record where the songs bleed into each other and you use crossfades and, and you know, you, you sort of construct songs to, to work together and work off of each other. That's Those are the kind of records I love, like, you know, those old Pink Floyd records. So I wanted to do something like that. But I also wanted to make a record that had lots of hooks, like a cheap trick record. So, you know, that that was it. I was swinging for the for the bleachers, I guess. Um, and and you know, we we had all the resources to do something like that. So there, we were in a pretty good headspace, and we had good material, and we felt good about it.
0: For the album, you worked with Roy Thomas Baker. What drew you to him?
1: Roy Thomas Baker was, uh, you know, we were trying to find a producer that um, we weren't interested in working with whoever was making, you know, the big records at the time. We were just, everybody wanted us to work with whoever was making hit records, And, and I didn't want to do that, and we'd also. Made the last two records with Steve Hagler, so I didn't want to do that again either. And one day I just heard "Killer Queen" on the radio. I was like, "Well, that song sounds fucking great. Let's get Roy Thomas Baker to do it." And um, and you know that was pretty much it. You know, we want, I wanted him to make a song like Queen. You know, I I knew that I was making this big record with all these pieces in it and. An old school 70s record, and you know, he's about as great of an old school 70s producer as you could ever hope for.
0: So, what were those recording sessions like?
1: Um, pretty good. I mean, it's funny because I was just uh, somebody uploaded video from those uh, recording sessions, I was just watching them yesterday, and you know, it's just a bunch of just had a lot of ideas for what I wanted on this record. It was the first time where we didn't worry about whether or not we could reproduce the record live with just the two of us. So we were throwing everything at the wall. You know, it's just like, well, let's try this sound, or let's put uh, let's put tinfoil in in the piano strings, and, you know, beat on the keys and see what that sounds like. Or, you know, anything we could think of. There's one song where I'm ripping gaff tape into the microphone you know it's it was like any idiot idea they were they tried to make happen for us and, and it, it was a really good environment
0: um, <clears throat> So there's a lot of talk of Cats on the album not just you know the album cover but what's your relationship like with Cats?
1: Uh, I've kind of Phobic, You know, I I, uh, I don't really trust those things. And so I'm, I'm kind of, uh, like, you know, I, I think I have the attitude. I have an attitude towards cats that I think cats have towards me. They don't trust me. I don't trust them. We're eyeing each other all the time. We've, we've always got one eye on, on each other. And uh, so... And that's, for, for, like, make, shooting that record cover was was hell for me. Like, I, I just, my skin was crawling. They were <laughs> jumping all over the place. I was terrified.
0: Whose cat but, was that? What? Whose cat was that?
1: <laughs> uh, we went to a, a cat shelter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a couple of cat ladies ran ran the place, and, and there were cats everywhere, and they had all those cats, uh, doped up on catnip, and they were, uh, they were jumping all over the
0: place. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, pack up the cats. I think is widely considered your masterwork, at least critically by many. Um, do you feel it's your best album?
1: No, I, I don't. But I, I certainly think it's our the best record. Made while we were on a major label, um, I mean that—that that I can't dispute. Uh, that was the record that—that that I don't know if we were born to make, but it, that was definitely the reason why we were at a major label was to make a record like that. Um, I think whatever happened with PJ Souls is our best record. Um, that record's a little bit more handmade, and it's—it's. It's, when I put on the headphones and listen to a record like that it, you can hear all these really interesting sounds um, and, and you can actually hear sort of like the it, it just sounds like, like it was made at home you know um, Pack of the Cats has tons of great sounds on it too but it's a big it's still a big major label record um, and that's what it was meant to sound like it was meant to sound like it should be on the radio
0: Yeah So when you go back And you I'm assuming that For the uh, 20th anniversary tour You had to re-listen To the album Was there anything new You noticed about it?
1: Um I Don't think so I mean It's When we've done Shows like this Where we've had to Recreate an album live Um Sometimes I go back And I'll listen to a record And I'll be like Oh shit Yeah You know Like or well, I forgot I did that in that song. But with this record, there's not a lot of that. I mean, I, I, I've never really stopped listening to this record. I, I, I've liked it a lot. I mean, the, the only real problem I have with the record is the sound of my voice. You know, I sound like I'm 12. Um, so other than that, I, I really enjoy listening to the record. And and it's, there's never been a point where I've been like, I don't want to listen to this anymore.
0: So did you have any trouble, like, relearning any of the songs? or? No,
1: not really. I, I You know, I broke my finger uh, a few months ago, and so a lot of these songs I've had to play differently or figure out a different way to approach it because uh, there's certain chords that I'm not able to play right now. So I've had to figure out a different fingering. So that that was really the... The hard part about doing this record. There was a bunch of songs that before we started working on it, I wouldn't have thought I could play it at all. But just kept working at it and figured out a way, you know? Yeah. There's always a way to do it. Which finger? Uh, my ring finger. Ooh. On my front hand?
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so, do you have like a favorite song from the album to play live?
1: It's, it's all it's, it's tough because the whole record once you start playing it you're playing the whole record uh, all the songs bleed into each other so it's like you're, you're, you're playing a, a piece you know uh, like much in the same way you know once you start Dark Side of the Moon you're listening to the whole record you know you can't really stop at any point And and that's what this record is like. So once you start playing that first song, you don't stop until you're done playing the last song. So it's almost like you know, it's not a symphony for Christ's sake, but you know, it's 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 about as close as we'll get to something like that.
0: So for the tour, you're like literally playing the record front to back. Yeah, yeah. What's the Uh, what's the most challenging part about that?
1: just keeping it going, you know, uh, keeping that, uh, level going for an hour, you know, just keeping energy up and making sure you, you hit all the spots and making sure you, you don't miss any cue, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's fun, you know, it's, it's, it's not that it's challenging. Uh, it's just, it's fun to do.
0: Um, I know you guys recently released a new single, Innocence. Is that just a one-off single, or is there like a new album coming?
1: It is a one-off single. Uh, it, it was a song that we did for uh, a movie that still hasn't happened, and it was just kind of sitting around, and uh, we just wanted to put something out. And, and then once that idea came up, uh, the idea to make a video for it came up. So it just kind of snowballed into this thing where, where you know, now we're put out a video. And, you know, <laughs> it was just a song that didn't really have a home, and rather than build a record around it, we just decided to just leave it be and put it out there.
0: It's funny that the song was for a movie because the video is like really cinematic. Um, yeah, how much uh, how much influence do you have on like making a music video like that? Um,
1: you know, uh, uh, I I have influence. You know, I I would say that during the shoot, I'm probably I was probably the least important guy there. But um, you know, I mean, I talked talk a lot with with Felix about what uh, the concept should be and and, you know we batted around a a bunch of ideas and a bunch of locations and then you know once the shooting was done I just tried to stay out of the way during the shooting and then once that was done there was a a lot of just going back and forth about the edit and you know he, he put an edit together and I'd tell him what I liked and what I didn't and then we'd get in a room together and just Keep tweaking it, so it was something that we, we both liked. Um, but but you know, Felix did a great job, and and with with a guy like that, you, you got to kind of know when to get out of somebody's way. And so that was pretty much my job, just making sure that everybody had what they needed from me. You know, which was mostly nothing.
0: So when you're on the road during tours like this do you find yourself writing um, new songs and stuff or is that something you save for when you're at home or in a studio yeah
1: not consciously you know like if during sound check uh, I string them together um and that's been going on for years you know when we were on tour with Stone Temple Pilots uh What Can I Tell You for Pack of the Cats uh it was before we'd written that and you know I was playing the riff for What Can I Tell You during sound checks for checking the bass it was you know a riff that I just started playing to to do bass checks you know um and and that's just kind of how it happens. You just, uh-oh. Sorry.
0: It's not me no. getting arrested. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you're good. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so that's interesting. So do you, um, do you guys have like plans to maybe delve into recording a new album like when you get back from the tour or is that just something that's going to be up in the air? Yeah,
1: uh, we've, We're we're, over the next three months we're doing this tour Uh, so when we get back the the plan is to hunker down and make a new record Um, (laughs) excuse me it's been a few years so I mean that's definitely been the plan I mean we wouldn't be doing this tour if it wasn't the 20th anniversary it's we'd rather be working on a record right now but it's just a timing thing it's like you can't wait for the 21st year anniversary and as I say that I I wonder why why can't we do that maybe we should be doing something like that everyone does a you know a round number maybe a 21 year anniversary would be better
0: yeah I mean the record can't legally drink yet so I mean
1: that's right yeah you could do a drinking age anniversary that would that would have been a good idea (laughs)
0: fuck (laughs) right. um so what like, what kind of uh, what's the band configuration for who you're touring with right now uh, we're touring with uh, two other members
1: uh, our friends Dave and Jay are, are rounding out the sounds um, there's a lot of different guitar parts that that we need some another guitarist to uh, flesh out all those slide parts and melodies on top of the, the rhythm and and then we've got Dave doing, like, keyboard stuff and acoustic stuff and vocals. So there's there's four of us on stage. At at any given time, it can either be two of us or three of us or four of us.
0: Yeah, I was wondering about that, because I know there's, like, some acoustic kind of outros of, you know, much more electric songs on the album. I was wondering how you would do that kind of seamlessly. But
1: Yeah, I mean... It, that that was part of what we've been working on like the past month or so is just getting all those uh, segues and outros and intros perfect and getting them to sound not exactly like the record but like you know a reasonable facsimile of the record And, and the acoustic thing kind of happened I went to go see the National a couple of weeks ago and and you know they, they were bringing out acoustic guitars on a lot of songs. I thought, why not? Well, let's try that. It's something we don't usually do, because it's kind of a pain in the ass, and it's it's a little it's a little precious for a rock show, if you ask me. But um, you know, if there was a time to do it, it would be on this record. So just figured, let's do that.
0: And so, have you already planned out like if you are gonna play some like non-album tracks like as an encore or something?
1: Yeah, there will be a couple of sets, and uh, the the first set will just be you know songs from all the records, and then we'll take a little break and we'll come out. We'll play Pack of the Cats from beginning to end, and then you know if people are still in the mood and want to hear some more, you know we can bust out some other songs and just see how it goes
0: <laughs> oh, cool Yeah. Um, so in a sense we'll get to uh, be played live
1: yes we'll play that uh, in the first set uh, uh, that's the plan although we, we've been playing Pack of the Cats every day it's been a while since we played anything that's not Pack of the Cats so hopefully we can still pull that off
0: <laughs> understood uh, thank you so much for doing this though Thank you. Despite some sirens and a sneeze, I think the interview went really well, and uh, it was a pleasure to interview Scott. He seemed like a really cool guy, and I learned some new things, and I hope you did too. So thank you for listening to Surviving the Golden Age. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or pretty much anywhere that you find your podcasts. Uh, Until next time.